T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Sorry, a little happy, a little sad, a little bit of both. Cardinal fans getting their wish. Final 24 hours leading up to the trade deadline, and the birds are active. They are doing things. They have acquired Jose Quintana from the Pittsburgh Pirates, according to ESPN. We're still not quite, not quite sure who for, and there still are a lot of other things out there that would be a need and a want, a little bit of both. And joining us now on the line... From the show on middays here at KMOX, Kevin Wheeler. Kevin, how are you this evening, sir? I'm good, George. How you doing, man? Doing great, doing great, and I appreciate you j- jumping in in, in your old uh, your old after dark haunts here to talk a little bit about this. Uh, <laughs> good timing, too, man. You reached out to me not knowing there was a deal going to happen. I know, and now here we are, so we get to break it down and uh, start. Let's start off with Mr. Quintana. Good news: three uh, five ERA isn't bad, especially playing for a god awful team. Uh, five innings a game. I would like to see more than that. Uh, yeah, it seems to throw strikes, doesn't walk too many guys, likes ground balls. Uh, what do you think? And uh, is it too early to tell whether it was worth it? Because we're hearing Johan Oviedo as a possible that maybe went the other way, but nobody's confirmed anything yet. Yeah, I saw a report from MLB.com uh, that said it would be Oviedo and uh, third baseman Malcolm Nunez, who is the Cardinals' number 10 prospect uh, in the organization. And I mean, and and it was a good source. I think that's probably going to be the the package. You know, that's it's a good return for Pittsburgh. Uh, Those are good players. You know, Oviedo is is an upside play. You know, he's not going to help the Cardinals in the short term in any meaningful way, especially not in the rotation uh, because of his command problems. He just doesn't throw enough strikes uh, to to be able to help the team out here in the short term. And you know, they, they always have pitching depth. I mean, I like starting pitchers, right? I mean, now that he's out of the organization, the guys that line up behind him as potential future starters would be like last year's first-round pick, Michael Bagrevi, uh, who is already, you know, in his first pro year up to double-A as a college guy coming out who is known for his command. I mean, he's certainly ahead of, uh, ahead of where Oviedo would be on the long-term list. Libertor would also be ahead of him on the long-term list. Uh, and then another guy that's been a big surprise this year, is uh, the Cardinals, I think he was their fifth-round pick last year. He's either fourth or fifth-round pick, a guy named Gordon Graceffo, who is also at double-A like McGreevy in his first year. And Graceffo's a guy that touches 100 miles an hour routinely mid to upper 90s and doesn't walk anybody. So, you know, they, they, they've got a couple of guys that have emerged this year that probably make moving Oviedo a lot more comfortable. 
And while Nunez is a good hitter, I mean, he's got really good power. I think he's got 17 home runs this year already. Um, hitting, I think, around 250. But, I mean, he's a third baseman, first baseman. And if you look around, I, I don't really see anybody, any spot there opening up anytime soon. I heard we have a couple uh, of guys. Yeah, a couple of guys. And you also got Jordan Walker, who is currently a third baseman, might end up needing to be a first baseman because Arenado's here for so, so long term. And Walker has some defensive questions at third base. He could also end up in the outfield. But, I get, but the point is, you're dealing from an area of depth, and it's not something I would lose any sleep over. But it's a good return for Pittsburgh. You know, they got a guy that's got some power potential and a big arm in Oviedo who I, you know, pr- might end up as a relief pitcher, but he also could be a back end of the bullpen guy, you know, if, if he can improve his command a little bit. So I think it's a really good one for the, for the Pirates, given that they don't have much control over Quintana. And Quintana is not the answer to the rotation. He's not the guy that fixes everything, but he's a better version of what you did last year with Happ and Lester. He's younger. He's having a better year, as you point out. You know, not only does he have a 350 ERA, but his fielding independent ERA is like 320, which is a really good sign. Uh, His expected ERA is a little bit higher. It's around four-ish, but his stat cast numbers are okay. You know, you mentioned his command has been good. Uh, you'd like to see more than five innings. We don't, you know, a five and dive guy isn't really going to help, but maybe they think there's something they can do to squeeze more out of him. And maybe they just think having the better defensive team behind him could get him another, you know, inning, you know, get him another two thirds of an inning or an inning every cup, every fifth day. So where do you go from here? Because this is, this is the question now. We we sit here, we look at the Cardinals pitching staff. Uh, apparently there are some reports surfacing that we may not see Steven Matz until spring training. If that were the case, that would be one step forward, one step back. Do you go after more pitching, or do you just go all in on Soto and hope for the best? Well, I mean, look, if you're giving me the choice between the available arms and what it would cost to get them and Soto and what it would cost to get him, I mean, I, I think I might vote for Soto um, for, for obvious reasons. I mean, first of all, you don't need as much run prevention when you're adding him to, to Goldschmidt and Arenado, right? I mean, right. You know, you're, you're, you're not going to run through too many, too many uh, long offensive slumps if your two, three, four guys are Goldschmidt, Soto, and Arenado. it's not hard for all of those three to slump you know like you're probably going to be a much more impactful offensive team if you did that and you got two more years of control of one of the best hitters in the game um and and you know but you know like if you're going to get a starter it's it's going to have to be someone like carlos Rodon for it to be a real difference maker right and we don't know for with 100 percent certainty that the giants are going to move him it's just been kind of discussed here the last you know couple of days because the Giants are right there, uh, I think a game under 500 coming into play tonight. So yeah, Rodon would be a guy that would would upgrade the upgrade the front end of your rotation, but the cost isn't going to be cheap. He'll he'll come at a high cost, and he's probably a rental because he's he's pitched his way into an opt out after this year, so he can opt out and go seek a multi year deal now that he's proven that he's healthy again. So, you know, you're, you're looking at a rental there at a much higher cost than what it would, what it would take for, you know, to get Quintana as an example. You could look at Eovaldi in Boston, but I, I've also read that, you know, he doesn't really want to leave Boston, and, but they might want to re-sign him at the end of the year to keep him around moving into the future. And he's got his own set of, you know, arm problems and injury history and things along those lines. So once Castillo was off the market and Montas is off the market, 
the top two guys that you could have targeted would not be there. Um, so, again, there are other good starters. There are others that could be better than, than say, Quintana. Um, but what is the cost on that? I mean, are you going to go make a deal for Tarek Skubal from Detroit, who's got like four more years of control, but he's going to cost you pretty much the same as Soto would because of his age and his, his salary is so low and because he's got four years of team control. So, you know, I, I think that you've got to look at pitching still. You know, Hudson's been up and down this year and, you know, just coming off the injured list. Uh, Palante would probably be better off for you in your bullpen. Like if he's coming out of your pen and pitching in the middle innings, that boy, does that really help lengthen and strengthen the bullpen? So if you could get another one, I think that would be a great idea. Um, and maybe they will. I mean, I, I think that's going to be intriguing. I know some of the national baseball guys think the cards are right there in the, in the hunt for Soto. And I hope that that's true. And I hope that it comes through, but I feel like San Diego is the team that's more likely to go all in. Well, John, John Hyman predicted the Cardinals tonight. I saw saw that yeah, on, yeah. online, John, and it's like Rossi did too. Yeah. yeah so uh, that makes you wonder, though. So let, let's play. Let's play. Let's make a deal. The Juan Soto sweepstakes. I want to know both what you think the Cardinals would have to give up and uh-huh. what they should be willing to give up. Like, or is there any when you've got a player of this caliber and you've got a guy you're talking about. Who he's on a bunch of lists for his first, you know, four years, three years in baseball, whatever it's been. Yeah. He's on lists with yeah. like Mickey Mantle. So, is there anything you don't give up? Is there any untouchable in something like this? The one guy that I wouldn't want to, and I'm not saying I wouldn't do it. I'm saying the one guy that I would not want to trade is Jordan Walker. Um, the, the upside there is is incredible. I mean, for a guy that just turned 20 to be having the success that he's had at the double-A level. Uh, his hit tool looks good. He's obviously got tremendous raw power. He runs well. Um, he may, again, he may not stick at third, but, uh, you know, if Arenado doesn't opt out, well, that's not a concern. You know, he'll be moving somewhere else anyway, probably to an outfield spot. Um, so he, if, if I'm picking one guy in the organization, I don't want to move, that's the one. Um, if, I'm, if I'm asking from the Washington side, I really want someone that can be a star. I mean, I'm trading a 23-year-old rock star. Like, I'm trading, you know, one of the five most important players in the game, one of the five best hit, one of the three best hitters in the game. Um, you know, a lot of those guys can vary year to year, but Soto doesn't. I mean, you put Soto there with Trout, basically. Uh, and, you know, I, and talent-wise, you put him there with Acuna and Tatis Jr. and all that, but he's in that conversation. Um, I need to get somebody that is a future star or potentially a future star. Now, is that Nolan Gorman? Uh, maybe, right? I mean, if, if Gorman can be, and they've got an opening at third base, by the way, so right. Gorman could switch back to his natural position uh, if he were to go to Washington. He could be their third baseman who hits 25, 30, 35 home runs moving forward. But if, if I'm them, I'm starting with the idea that I want people that can help me at the major league level now. So I want Gorman and I want Dylan Carlson to start. Um, I certainly want a pitching prospect. I'd, I'd ask for Matthew Libertor. I, I, I want your best guys. I'm not, I'm not shopping for the guys that are 15th, 16th, 17th on your prospects list. You know, I want the top 100 caliber prospects. And, you know, Gorman and Libertor were both top 100. Actually, I think both top 50 for MLB.com coming into the year. And Carlson was a top 100 prospect before he before he, he used up his prospect status. Those are the kind of players I want, and I probably want more than that. I mean, I, I'll be asking for um, 
depending on, again, what, what they think are their biggest organizational needs. And I think their organization, they have a few pretty good pitchers on the way, so they're probably looking at more positional prospects. So they might, I mean, they'll certainly want Mason Wynn, uh, the explosive young shortstop with the, arguably the best position player arm in all of the sport. Um, I, again, I, I don't know that I'm going to be willing to add that to Carlson and Gorman and Libertor, but I mean, again, that's the ask if I'm Washington, as I, I want like four of those guys in that level. That's a big ask, but here's the next question, though. The Cardinals, you know, their history – not telling you or any anybody who's even a passive fan anything they don't know. The Cardinals have not been the team to make those kind of moves at the deadline in recent memory. Right. Is right. is Soto that much different? And he is different. There's no question about that. Is he enough different, do you think, that Mo would pull the trigger on this thing? I mean, obviously he's enough different that they're still in the conversation with about twenty hours to go. Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, he he is he is that much different in in two ways. I mean, obviously, you know, the the caliber of player that we're talking about. Um, I mean, he he's as good as it gets as an offensive player in baseball. Um, but the other part of it is he's got two more years of control, right? So you're if whatever you trade, even if you're not going to sign him to the huge thirteen year deal in two years, it's still probably worth it to get three playoff runs out of him, right? right? I mean, you've got, I mean, and I mean runs at the playoff, not necessarily runs in the playoff, although that, that would be the idea. You're getting him for the rest of this year, plus two more full years. And then think of it this way too, George. I mean, we do not have 100% certainty that Arenado is sticking around. He still has the opt-out this offseason. I don't think he's going to opt out. I think he's going to stick around. He seems to like it here. He's having success. The team is good every year. And I also don't think he's getting that annual average salary in the free agent marketplace at his current age. Right. Um, now that he's in his early 30s, I don't think he's going to get that kind of AAD in the open market. So I think he stays. But having Soto is a nice hedge in case he decides to opt out. Because now you've got still Goldschmidt and Soto as the centerpieces in your lineup. So there's a good hedge there you got two more years. And by the way, if he walks at the end of those two years, you're going to get the compensation pick there uh, because he wasn't traded in his walk here. So you're, you know, there, there's a whole lot of reasons why this is different than a lot of other potential deadline deals that the Cardinals have been rumored with in the past and didn't pull the trigger on. This is more like what they've done in the offseason, grabbing Goldschmidt, grabbing, you know, grabbing Arenado. Hell, it's, it's, it's even similar to going out and getting Ozuna. I mean, they gave up top guys to get Ozuna. You know, I mean, Alcantara is one of the best pitchers in the National League, and Zach Gallon out in Arizona is pretty good, too, and they gave up both of those guys in that deal. Takes me back also a little bit to Matt Holliday. You go and get the guy. Now, he was he was uh, one of those where they were going to have to sign him pretty quickly, and they did. But, right. Uh, you know, you, you, you move ahead and you talk about that long-term deal. We were discussing this earlier. You talk about the possibility of a long-term deal, and while 13 years, $400 million or something like that, yeah, Sounds think about crazy. More like 500. Yeah, whatever it whatever it is, you know, take the AAV and ask yourself how how crazy is that number in twenty thirty five? Not crazy at all. And and by the way, by the time he's able to get that, Paul Goldschmidt's contract is up. Right. And even if you were to keep him around, it certainly wouldn't be at what you're paying him now. And when he once he's getting into his late thirties. 
You know, I mean, he, I think he'll be 36 or so. I, I, I got that right. He's 35 or 36 when that deal's up. So, yeah, you know, you're, 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 you're at a point where you're going to be clearing salary cap space at that time. Now, that doesn't mean that you won't have other things that pop up and you're going to have other players you're going to have to extend, right, um, depending on how, how well they perform and all of that. But in two years, it might not seem as crazy to do that, although I'll tell you the, uh, you know, the, the DeWitts didn't want to do the big, 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 big year, the big long-term deal for Albert. Um, although, in fairness, Albert was in his 30s when that came around, and Soto was only going to be 26 at that time. So maybe, right. maybe they look at that differently. And again, that's why everything about Soto is different than circumstances we've seen before. Okay, last question. Tomorrow at 5 o'clock. What uniform is Juan Soto in possession of? Make that five hundred one just to be uh, to be on the safe side. <laughs> if I had to bet, I would bet on San Diego. Um, most, again, mostly because they seem to be going all in right now. I mean, they just went out and got Josh Hader. You know, they they've got Manny Machado. Tatis is going to be coming back. Um, they, they seem to be in a position where they're willing to go after it, um, and and that's. Not to say the Cardinals can't. It's just not been their pattern, and it's been something that you know the Padres have tended to be a little bit more aggressive on those kinds of deals. So I, I'll bet on them. I wouldn't count out the Dodgers. It, heck, they might do it just to block San Diego uh, because they have all the resources in the world. They've got one of the deepest farm systems in the sport, and they've got all the money. So you know, not really a big concern there. And they actually have young major leaguers they could send to uh, Washington as a part of that as well. So. I mean, I'd bet on the Padres. I'd say the Cardinals are probably next, but I wouldn't. I wouldn't write out. Uh, I wouldn't write off. I should say the Dodgers in that either. And then I'll make this last question one B since I said that already. Are they done? Say that even if they, if they don't get Soto, do you think they're done? Do you do we see another? Do, do they go back to San Francisco and talk him into Redone, something like that? I, that would be the smart play if you ask me. Um, if you're not going to get Soto, I think you still need more pitching, and especially starting pitching. Again, you know, with, with Hudson having been a little bit erratic this year, uh, Palante had a great start his last time out, but he's also been pretty erratic as a starter. I, I think, um, if I remember right, before his start uh, on Sunday, he had like a 4.55 ERA as a starter and like a 188 as a reliever. So, you know, he had already shown that starting was not necessarily what he's ready for at the moment. Um, if I could if I could shore that up even more, because really what you're looking at is Quintana taking over the spot that was that was going to belong to Steven Matz, right? right. So you're, you're not taking any of these other guys out of the rotation at the moment. You'll still have Mike Wilson, Wayne, right? Obviously, you'll still have Hudson, and for the moment, Palante. If you could kick Palante back to the pen and add another starter, that would be phenomenal. All right, Kevin Wheeler, thank you so much. If you want to hear more of Kevin, catch the show every day, middays. What are the times on that again, Kevin, because I don't want to get them wrong? Oh, yeah, 10 a.m. to 2 p.m., and tomorrow we're going to be complaining about all the stupid text messages I'm getting from all these campaigns. I know. I, I, Please stop texting me. I know. I'm, I'm tired of hearing. I'm, I was saying earlier, I don't even normally get political texts of any Never. kind. Uh, particularly from Republicans, and I'm getting Eric Greitens twice telling me that Donald Trump endorsed him, even though Donald Trump only endorsed Eric. 
this is lunacy, man. I can't wait. Yeah, to- I mean, you think you think things are dumb in sports, and then you start paying more attention <laughs> to politics, and they're even dumber. And there was an amen from the congregation. Kevin, thank you so much. See ya. <laughs> Nine twenty-five on Camelback. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only twenty-five dollars a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile, get four iPhone 15s on us, and four lines for twenty-five bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Camelot's at your service on a Monday night. Cardinals off tonight. You get me, George Sells, in with you until 10 o'clock. And today is a weird anniversary from the standpoint of last week, we had all this horrific flooding. People are talking about thousand-year rain events and all this sort of thing. Meanwhile, 29 years ago today was really the crashing beginning of the flooding of 1993 that we all know so well, or those of us of a certain age know so well anyway. And joining me now, Maria Kina from the KMOX News staff, who has the unique honor of being able to say that she covered last week and also covered the flood of 93. I did. That's It's a weird distinction. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, I, I was telling Maria earlier, my first out-of-town news story as a young reporter in Baton Rouge, Louisiana in 1993 was to come to St. Louis and cover the floods here. And that I'll remember as just being the, the most bizarre experience, especially because I was young and I was kind of new at it and I had never seen anything remotely like that before. And all of a sudden it's just, you know, these towns that look like lakes and I'll never forget going down the the main street and I can't remember which town it was because I didn't know St. Louis at the time. Yeah, I was, sure. It was just a place, but we're in a bass boat going down this street and having to duck underneath traffic lights. <sighs> To get by. And I, I'll remember that as long as I live. Tell me a little bit about what stuck with you from those years. Me uh, running a storm on Highway 40 right before the Monarch levee broke. That was just terrifying. You could see it happening in the back. And I thought it was just going to be another one of the storms. Because if you remember, we just kept having wave after wave after wave of storm. And that's when that whole area there, what used to be called the Chesterfield uh, Gumbo Flats, the Monarch Levee gave way and took everything, including Highway 40. And also, I think one of the most things iconic scenes is when Annie Guns went underwater, the restaurant there. And man, Annie Guns is still there, but a lot yeah. of that area you would not recognize today. You wouldn't. You would never know that that happened. And that was so, it, it was so surreal when you saw it then after it just overtook the whole valley. And and, and, you know, people were going in boats and the very thing that you said about like lights, you know, stop signs, trees, you were having to navigate your way through that through some sort of boat aircraft or, you know, a boat. It was just it was very different. River de Pair, 
Um, I remember the incidents where the propane tanks were at risk of blowing up. That was over in South St. Louis. So it was in, in many areas. It wasn't just in the one. So fast forward to this past week, and I may go back and forth here a little bit, yeah. but fast forward to this past week and you wake up, we all wake up in the morning on Tuesday to nine inches of rain. Then it comes back Thursday. I, are, I was getting kind of a flashback to this whole thing and because they talk about those training storms Mm -hmm. and that was you know clearly back in 93 what happened and it was definitely what happened on you know overnight on tuesday that led us to the point we are now and i had experienced that seen that in other places and i was immediately thinking about how long is this going to go on and what are we in for? Were you having that same kind of feel? I was. I didn't think it was going to go away. I thought that it was going to, we were just going to continue to see these waves. And then when Thursday hit and we saw some of the same areas go under again. And, you know, the thing with this, though, what was different from 93 uh, long term, this was flash flooding that we were seeing here this past week. And that was just it had been going on for so long that everything had become a river in St. Louis back in 93. And I think the thing that's most shocking and startling to me is to see the sewer water that has come into people's homes. This isn't rainwater. This is just devastating in their homes. And the one thing that doesn't change is the look on someone's face who is walking back into their home the first time after one of these things. Yes. Because water, sewage, whatever, uh, so often, if it gets to a, basically, if it gets to a certain level, it's all gone. That's right. That's That's exactly it. And water is so powerful, and you don't realize it until you see it like that. And, you know, you're talking about an area, some of these, like I, I'm thinking about the Ellendale neighborhood. I was over there last week, and that's where the lieutenant governor toured. Well, the River de Pere is right back up there. So they were literally, literally running for their lives. You don't have time to take anything out when that happens. You just got to get your family, your loved ones, and your pets out, and that's it. And, yeah, pray for safety, and and that's what a lot of those folks are doing. And as we move forward now, the mayor's office and other agencies, everybody is, they're doing what they're supposed to do. They're jumping into place and, and, and really trying to, to pitch in and help. And talk a little bit, Maria, about just how, what you've seen over the years, because the one thing you do eventually see out of communities at times like these is some of the best in people. Oh, yeah. You definitely see that. Um, even when the resources, whether it's state or local or federal, don't come in, the local people immediately start to take care of each other. And that's really remarkable to see. And it also, I think, restores your confidence in people. You know, when you think, boy, there aren't any good people left in the world, and you see something like that happens. Um, But I also think over the years, to some degree, I'm a little surprised that we haven't advanced more with flooding. Like uh, like my big question is, hello, what are we going to do with the River to Pair? This has continued to wreak havoc on people's homes for years and years. And, you know, they built it up around the River to Pair, but it it slinks all around into University City. And these people, every time we have these kind of torrential downpours, I don't know if you remember, was it Hurricane Ike or Gustav? When we I got, think it was Ike. Yeah. I think it was Ike. It came in here and we had those torrential rain. It was like a hurricane that came through St. Louis, took out a whole area of University City. And I'm surprised that we're still dealing with that 
year after year when we have big events like this. And what's really tough is you hear people all the time say, well, you know, I hear all the time talking about folks who live close to the river. Mm-hmm. Oh, why don't they move? Well, it's you're not going to buy that house. No. And I'm not going to buy that house because we know it floods. That's right. And I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm not buying much of anything as far as a new home unless I can sell the one I live in. Absolutely. That's, that's how people function and live. That's right. So, so you've got people who are pretty much caught between a rock and a hard place. And many times they don't get they don't have flood insurance, either can't afford it, exactly. couldn't get it. And, you know, newsflash to the folks who don't know this. If your home floods and you don't have flood insurance, your homeowner's insurance is not going to pay you a dime. Not and so, a dime. It's another thing that that these folks are dealing with, and and I I think uh, what this really speaks to is calling up the local Red Cross. If you see somebody from the city talking about places where we can help uh, people stepping up and and doing that, and St. Louis is so great about that, always is. They truly are. I just talked with Michael McMillan, the insurance thing. So many people say, well, I have insurance on my house. They have no idea that they do not have flood insurance with that house until they take out an additional rider. And in we're considered in the St. Louis area, which I found this out from MSD, a flood zone, not a flood plain. Not all areas are a flood plain, like the areas around Ellendale and where the River de Pere is, those are flood plains. So you're supposed to have insurance, and if you have a federally backed mortgage, they require it. But if you have your house paid off, how do you know those sort of things? I mean, people just don't know that until something horrible like this happens. That is the unfortunate thing. Well, Maria, thank you for taking a few minutes, kind of kind of a then and now, uh, but the things that remain consistent are the devastation that flooding can cause, the help that folks need, and the fact that St. Louisans will almost inevitably step up and help out. Yeah, we'll, we'll survive it. It's good to talk to you. You as well. You're listening to KMOX. KMOX, spit that out, George, at your service. Back in a moment. 943 downtown St. Louis. KMOX is at your service. George sells with you for another, call it 16 minutes and seven seconds. Not that anybody's counting. Want to dip in on something that happened this afternoon, kind of a just an indicator of a larger problem. And we all know that crime has been a, a massive issue uh, in in St. Louis for some time. But this just blew me away. I, someone walks into the train and bus station, the Gateway Transportation Center. That's where, uh, you know, where you get off the Metrolink at uh, the Enterprise Center and they've got the Greyhound and the Amtrak station combined. Somebody walks in there, 3.20 in the afternoon, shoots a guy in the head and kills him. They found the, they call it a person of interest. They found who they think shot the guy and arrested him. But middle of the day, in one of the busiest places in downtown St. Louis, and somebody just walks in with a gun, shoots shoots someone, kills him. I mean... I was watching The Godfather with my kids the other night, and this this is like a scene out of that. And it's not just that. And you want to weigh in? We got a couple of minutes. Three one four four three six seventy nine hundred is the number. Four three six seventy nine hundred here at Camelux. Uh Story on Channel Four from over the weekend. Video that residents took of groups of young people 
walking through the streets with semi-automatic weapons, just kind of randomly firing them off, just firing away, you know, no particular reason. Uh, you know, I was at a I was at an elementary school up in North St. Louis last week uh, in the evening. You know, it wasn't dark yet, but it was it was the evening. And off in the distance, you heard about 15 rounds go off. Now, I am not going to sit here and, and bash the police or, or, or bash anybody. It's a collective issue, but something's got to be done. You know, St. Louis, this is a great city. I did not grow up here. I've lived here about 14 years. My wife grew up here. Her family's here. Uh, you know, I've I've often said St. Louis in by choice, not chance. You know, I've chosen to make this home my home, and I've chosen to raise my kids here. And it is a wonderful place. Every city has its problems. We're not unique. Uh, we can have – I can talk about the things that are going on here, and somebody from Chicago would say, yeah, we'll listen to this. Somebody from many other places would do the same thing, Detroit, New Orleans. But the facts are these. We have a lot of very smart – People, a lot of very hardworking people, a lot of very well-intentioned people that are trying to position this city to go into the middle and latter parts of the 21st century and emerge as a tech hub, you know, some kind of, you know, next generation economy powerhouse. And... I'm a believer that that can happen. I think we have a lot of things going for us here that could allow that to happen. Our cost of living is low. We've got colleges and universities here that will bring a workforce that can fill those jobs. There are there are things about this place that could be a major draw. It's centrally located in the, in the nation which is a plus for shipping and things like that. All these good things. But if we cannot collectively figure out how to do something about this crime problem, the the rest of it's going to be moot. Nobody's going to want to hear it. The 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 big the big business owner or the person with the big idea that is thinking about St. Louis as the place to launch the big idea is not going to want to hear it if they feel that the people who work for them are not going to be safe or not going to feel safe or the people won't want to move to the city where they're located because they hear about people walking into train stations in the middle of the day and blowing someone's head off. Who has to solve it? Yeah, the politicians have a hand in it. They need to get together and and figure it out. Police have a hand in it. You know, the, the hiring of the next police chief is going to probably be one of the most important hires any executive in Metro St. Louis has made and I don't know when. So Mayor Jones has a lot of a lot of pressure to to make the right hire. But you know it's also incumbent on upon every one of us. You know, we as a community, we as people standing up and saying we're just not going to put up with it anymore. And trying to do things in our day-to-day lives that can help make a difference. What are those things? If I had all those answers, uh, I would be a very wealthy man, which I'm not. But it, it's something we need to be thinking about. It's something that we're going to have to work together as a community in tandem to make it happen. But something's got to give. 
don't think there's any question about that. It's 949. KMOX is at your service. 954 in the evening in downtown St. Louis, and we will end where we began. On the eve. For you political gurus out there, it's the eve of election night. For you baseball lovers out there, it's the eve of the trade deadline. And what do we have to expect? Well, in the time that we've been together tonight, uh, the Cardinals actually made a trade. People are always nervous that they just won't do anything because they've done that a couple of times. They went out and got Jose Quintana from the Pittsburgh Pirates, contributing peace. But we will wake up tomorrow morning, most likely at least, uh, still wondering what's going to happen with Juan Soto, the unicorn, the big prize, the guy that they're talking about in sentences with Mickey Mantle. There'll be a lot of refreshing on Twitter. A lot of refreshing on Twitter, indeed. We will also wake up tomorrow to an election day. Politics, of course, will will be dominating most of the day. We've got congressional races. We've got ballot issues. We've got a county executive's race. We've got a U.S. Senate race. The U.S. Senate race is of major import, of course. They always are. This one in particular, because one of the one of the candidates, Eric Greitens, uh, could really put that seat in play in November if he wins the nomination. If you listen to the political experts, that is something that no one would normally predict. You know, you go to you go to Vegas and say, you know, put my money down, a Democrat or a Republican, they say you're from Missouri. <laughs> What are you even thinking about? Of course you're betting the Republican. Well, things could change. And that was all made a little more bizarre and weird today when former President Trump spent the whole day trolling Missouri Republicans saying, I'm going to have an endorsement. Line up. Watch my social media platform that nobody can remember its name and see what I have to say. And he comes out with an endorsement for Eric. And doesn't say the last name. And, of course, the two front runners in the Republican primary are both named Eric. And Eric Greitens, I've gotten two texts from him saying that Trump endorsed him. Have you gotten any, Ethan? I've got nothing. Check his phone. I'll be sure to check that. He hasn't had his phone number as long as I have. <laughs> Long story short, it'll be an interesting day tomorrow, no matter what your interests are. I'm George Sells. Thanks for being with me tonight. You're listening to KMOX. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? You spend it here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.